You are listening to the Brentwood Baptist Church Life Group Leader Podcast, a resource to equip and encourage group leaders on their journey toward being disciples and making disciples through life groups. Here are your hosts, Jay Fennell and Paul Wilkinson. Hello, Life Group Leaders. Welcome to another week of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I'm Jay Fennell. Many of you know me, I think, mm. at least I hope, and I'm yeah, here with better, Paul Wilkinson. Better by this point. Here with Paul, Dr. Paul, glad to have him too, also in the booth today, <laughs> actually my office. Uh, but anyway, we're excited about um, talking about another week of uh, Living Scent. We're on chapter 12 now. We've only got one more week after this week. And next week we'll talk about um, some other options for curriculum if you're continuing to use uh, Living Scent through the entire book. Uh, that We think that's great. Obviously, these podcasts are, are bit, have been helpful to you. Hopefully they have, at least. Uh, but we'll also talk about some other options for you as you think about the summertime and, and what, what's going to look like, at least through the month of July, uh, for you. And uh, as we lead up to uh, spiritual leadership, which is the very last um, curriculum line or uh, topic or foundation that we are going to be uh, rolling out and that's going to be August the 13th. You've heard us talk a lot about that on previous episodes of this podcast. Yeah, and if you didn't listen to last week's, go get it and listen to just the first part at least because Roger has a major hand in these curriculum and he gives a good uh, bio and analysis of uh, Dr. Orge and what we were trying to accomplish in spiritual leadership. Yeah, and so it's it's uh, that begins on the 13th of August. The books, I think we said this again last week and even previous weeks, will be in your classrooms for on-campus groups, Sunday morning groups, uh, no later than Sunday, July the 30th. So it gives you a few weeks to prepare. As always, uh, teaching guides are available on journeyonleadership.com under the curriculum tab. You can go there to find those. There will be some other resources that we um, hopefully will be able to provide for you. And of course, we'll be doing this podcast as well. So you can, you can listen and, and pick up a few nuggets that might be helpful to you as you teach. So we're excited about it. And we really think it's going to be a good study. It's well written. I think there's some good practical things. Uh, it is Bible focused. And so we're going to be talking, I mean, obviously from the scriptures. So, um, you know, hope that you'll, you'll decide to, to be a part of that study and do it in your life group. Also, last thing, just want to say also on that same Sunday, August the 13th, is Group Connect. And we're going to have, um, similar to what we've done in the past with the group's fair, tables lined up in the various hallways and concourses for folks to come by and to uh, learn more about your group and maybe maybe even connect. An opportunity for you to meet people, to invite them to come, to hand out information, just to be a, a warm face uh, for them to see you or have someone from your group, either you as the group leader or someone from your group representing you, um, would be great. So we'll have more information about that as we get closer. Again, that's also August the 13th. So that's going to be a huge day, Paul. It'll, be, it'll, it'll be busy and chaotic, but it'll be intentional and focused, and hopefully we'll connect a lot of unreached, uh, both members and un and unreached as in lost people and get them connected into groups for ministry and evangelism. Uh, that's right. So we're excited about all the stuff coming up that uh, is going to be available to us. 
as we look into this final, uh, this, this, uh, I'm sorry, uh, lesson 12, not the final one, that's next week, of course, but this week, uh, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about orientation. Uh, let me just make sure I get the, the title of the chapter correct. It's Orienting My Life Around Christ's Mission. And the focal passage this week comes from the book of Romans, chapter 10, uh, 1 through 15. Um, orienting my life around Christ's mission. I think the assumption oftentimes is that we don't orient our lives around Christ's mission. I mean, for many of us, we would say, yeah, I believe in Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus. I attend church. I am, um, you know, I attempt to live the good life. I want to grow. I'm involved in Bible studies. And, uh, you know, I'm in a life group or whatever the case is. And so we... Um, you know, are involved in a lot of church-related activities, and 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 those all those things are good things. I think we would say all those things are important things for us to be about and to be involved in uh, as a as a follower of Jesus. But how often do we really truly think about Christ's mission in the world? And this chapter is a challenge to us as followers of Jesus to think about and to evaluate our own lives in light of that mission and to really see um, maybe from a distance, if we can possibly do that, the things that we're doing, um, the things that we're saying, um, the, the focus of our lives. Is it, is it around that mission? And one way I like to invite people to think about this when this comes up in any groups I'm leading is to um, ask them to think about when someone says, who are you or tell me about yourself we usually rattle off a list of my job, my family, maybe where I grew up or where I come from. And that's just normal and everyday conversation. It may be weird in a, in a generic conversation to say, oh, well, I'm a child of God in the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of Christ. But what I challenge them to think about is when I ask you in this place, in this church community, when I ask you, who are you? Does it even cross people's mind to say, hey, I'm an adopted child of God, co-heir of the eternal kingdom of Christ? Is that is that our defining feature of who we are when the question is asked, who are you? And if not, then we have to wonder how oriented are we to the kingdom life and kingdom work of Jesus? You know, a lot of, I, I think what we can do is we can get a picture of our orientation by the time we spend on things, the money we spend, what we think about often, uh, what we do um, every day, uh, are, are those actions, are those words, are those deeds reflective of a life that's oriented around the mission of Christ in the world, which is, of course, we know uh, to make disciples and uh, to seek and to save the lost and to help them to see this God who loves them and who created them and to, who desires a relationship with them. We as Ambassadors of ambassadors of Christ have the opportunity to to communicate the message of Christ to this you know dark and hurting world and help them see for themselves this this one true God who desires for them to know Him and um, so that's the mission of Christ and um, if you're like me you probably forget that a lot um, we live our lives and we do the things that we think we're called to do and. And um, we're good people, 
but we oftentimes miss the mark when it comes to truly being on mission. So one of the things that I oftentimes think about before we jump into this passage today is, is um, what does my calendar look like? You know, what do what does my schedule through the week look like? Sometimes it requires for us to really evaluate that first and to create margin in our lives to truly make disciples. It doesn't necessarily mean we add something to our lives that, that's not already there on top of everything else that we that we have on our, on our lives and our schedules. What it might mean is removing something that might be good for something that's even better, like being a part of what God is doing in the world and being sensitive to those things. Um we all have limited time. We all have 24 hours in a day. So none of us have more time than the other in that regard, for sure. But it's all about how we manage that time through the, through the, through the, through the, the week, through the month, through the year, through the day, um, that perhaps helps us orient our lives, uh, around the mission of God, creating margin in our lives for, for what, how God wants to use us. Yeah, certainly. And as we call you, and as Christ calls us, I guess is better stated, to be kingdom people in our busyness, uh, I think what we're getting at is twofold here. So first, if we're not ready and equipped to make disciples in the way we think we ought to be, are we willing to give anything up in order to get equipped and to learn the tools that will help us invest into other people's lives through uh, service and table talk and everything else? And then secondly... Um, are we willing, as Jason would say, to give up some things in order to change our routines so that we are around more lost people, so that we're around people needing to hear the gospel, needing to uh, get this good news of Christ? So it's not all about adding on, as Jay said. We always we also have to evaluate what do we need to give up to trade in the good for the great of the kingdom. Two quick examples of that, uh, one from my life and one from my father-in-law. Uh, who was a pastor, uh, who recently just retired this past weekend. I was there with my family to witness his last sermon at the church he'd been serving for 26 years. And it was just a great experience all the way around. But starting first with him, you know, as a, as a senior pastor, he's around a lot of saved people, um, church members and people that, that need him and he pastors and shepherds. And he realized that he, he needed to be around more lost people. So he started, he, he got involved in a secular, um, service um, community or club, like a Civitan club hmm. uh, there in South Carolina, in Columbia, South Carolina. And a part of that, he was around business owners and CEOs and various community leaders, many of which were unchurched, many of which had no, um, uh, had no faith. And so he, on purpose, not just to be a part of a neat club, but he went with a missional sort of mindset. And I think that's that's cool. And he had opportunities to witness to people and to share the gospel with people and just to be a friend to people. And he was able to really show them that pastors aren't weird people. They're just regular dudes, just like anyone else, honestly. Um, or at and, least can come across as looking like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. And the second thing is, is my life. You know, I'm around a lot of, a lot of saved people as well, and just in my role. And I enjoy basketball and sports, and so I just connected up here to the and you're tall to the local. That's right, local uh, Nolensville Rec Center, and I started playing open gym just 
uh, pick up basketball with some of the guys from the community and through that have, have been able to develop relationships with some, with some lost men. And, uh, that's been so fun for me. Uh, you know, my heart is burdened for them that they don't know Jesus, but I'm also excited because God has put me in that environment and has allowed me to find favor with many of those men. And I'm just praying that, that doors continue to open for the gospel to be shared. Um, and so that's, it's been fun. God's used basketball as kind of the common denominator to bring our lives together. So there's just some, you know, simple examples. You know, we all have hobbies and pastimes and, mm-hmm. We can use those for the kingdom's sake by, right. by doing them with lost people, essentially, what you're already doing. And so let's take a look now at um, at the passage, the focal passage for today, Romans 10, 1-15. I'm not going to read the, the the entire section here because it might make a, make a, uh, t- take a little too much time, but... Um, but it's some compelling verses, uh, especially as it relates to this whole idea of living sin. And um, and I think right from the very get-go, you see in verse 1, uh, Paul's heart right from the get-go. Uh, when he says, you know, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for the Israelites is that they may be saved. I mean, his desire is to see lost people saved. Uh, down down a little bit later in this section of text, uh, he says um, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, uh, gosh, I, you know, I want that to be my heart's desire. My heart's cry is to see the people in my life, uh, my family members, my neighbors, um, my, my friends who do not know Christ to know him and to be saved. And Paul uh, Paul was very zealous about that work that God had given him to do as he was ori- his, his life was oriented around Christ's mission. But he says, uh, but, but if you go down here, and we don't have time to look at every little nuance of this passage, but especially beginning in verse 5, there's this kind of this weird kind of confusing section there um, as he describes this righteousness that Moses described, but also this righteousness that comes only through Christ. So, Dr. Paul, step in here and help us maybe navigate that just a little bit and give give some of your thoughts about how we might understand that, but secondly, how we might communicate that to the class this week if we choose to kind of sit on that for a little bit. So first, I think we want to look at where Paul might get some of this language from. A popular Jewish uh, phrase shows up in Baruch and a few other places in uh, Jewish literature. But it shows up most prominently for us, or what we care mainly about, is Deuteronomy 30. And the context of Deuteronomy 30, I think, enlightens us to what Paul's after here. So in Deuteronomy 30, um, beginning around verse 11, Moses is uh, preparing the people to go into the promised land. And he says, this, is, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven. So that you have to ask who will go up to heaven, get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it is not across the sea that you have to ask who will cross the sea, get it for us, proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. But the message is very near you in your mouth and in your heart so that you may follow it. See, today I set before you life, prosperity, death and adversity. And I think uh, Paul's essentially saying the same thing. This idea of the will of God or receiving the righteousness of God through Christ is not um, is not something you need to send somebody to heaven to get or send into the abyss to get, but it's something that Christ himself has brought 
to us as the incarnate second person of the Trinitarian God. Uh, so really you need a, a Bible scholar instead of a philosopher. So I want to read this excerpt from the New American Commentary on Romans. The righteousness that is based on faith is quite different. It does not require valiant exploits, such as bringing Christ down from heaven or up from the grave. Paul quoted freely from Deuteronomy 30, 12 and 13, substituting a phrase from Psalm 107, 26, which is down to the depths um, instead of beyond the sea. In Pesher style, he interpreted the verses in reference to the incarnation and resurrection of Christ. In Deuteronomy, Moses was telling the people that they did not have to climb up to heaven or cross the sea to discover the will of God. Paul applied the passage to the availability of the message of salvation. Hunter writes, No heroic attempts to storm the citadel of heaven or the kingdom of the dead are needed. Christ the Savior is here, incarnate and risen. Faith is readily available for those who will simply believe and confess that Jesus is Lord. And so that's what Paul's after in here, is that salvation is not bound up in an ethnicity anymore. Uh, salvation is not uh, bound up in exploits and effort towards righteousness, but righteousness flows out of it. Instead, uh, salvation is bound up in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's elevating. And that's what we elevate for our people and how we make it practical is to say that we who are regenerate, who have been redeemed, are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit such that we are the mediators of Christ to a lost and dying world. So that the, the people in our sphere of influence who are lost or unchurched don't need to be sent to heaven to get something new or go to the depths or across the sea to get it. But they need you as Christian to show up in their life and show them a better way. Show them what the kingdom can look like and what it tastes like and make them zealous to have it and jealous of the relationship you have with God and the hope and the purpose and the delight and joy with which we live life as Christians should compel others to desperately want what we have. Uh, so it's, it's no different. Uh, we encourage our people to, just like Christ brought righteousness for us, so too we take righteousness to those who need it by living sin in our communities. And so as Paul continues around verse 9, he starts talks about confession with your mouth um, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Your mouth confesses what you believe, right? Yeah. Uh, we, Out of the mouth, the convictions of the hearts flow. That's right. So there's a definite connection between heart and mouth. I wrote something down the other day uh, from a from a lunch and learn that we had uh, here for our staff, and I wish I had it in front of me, and but I don't, so I can't mention it. But it was something. It talked about this. It just talked about our our hearts give evidence. Uh, I'm sorry, our mouths give evidence to what's in our hearts. Yeah, so she was saying, uh, protect your words. I think her name was Katie Cole. Yeah. And she's a multiplication minister or guru with respect to some church in Florida. Been saying particularly in those moments of stress mm-hmm. when we don't have our full wits about us to protect our mouths, but we're just going based on visceral instinct. Mm-hmm. In those moments, oops, there's my heart because my words... Show me what my heart's all about. Yeah, so there's a definite connection between the heart. And so he says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He continues on talking about that. And then he gets down to your verse um, uh, verse 14. And I'm just going to read this section because I think it's just so good. He says, how then can they call on the one 
they have not believed. And so let me, let me just back up. Verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, anyone who confesses Christ uh, with their mouth and believes on him with their heart will be saved, right? Verse 14, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so I think, I think this would be a really neat thing to do on, on when your group meets the next time it meets, uh, whether, whether you're off campus or on campus Sunday morning, is to write up on the board that progression, the importance of that progression. It first starts with, uh, uh, someone who has the gospel, who is willing to be sent to preach, so that others can hear, so so that others can believe and respond and be saved, right? I think that's how the progression goes. That's it. Um, and and I think I think there's there's a there's a line there that's really really important. But it all begins with the willingness of a of a saint of a servant of Christ to to live sent to orient his her life around the mission of God and to say, you know what, I am, I'm a part of this mission. I'm going with Christ as he's going about making disciples. Um, I have been sent wherever that is in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in my family, um, in my community to be sent to go. This is on people with the gospel, people who believe in Jesus, who are Christians, who are sent, who go to preach so that those without Christ can hear and therefore believe, respond in faith, and therefore be saved. It's a really good progression there. Yeah, and I don't say this to be a downer, but I just think it's so crucial that we define a success for our group members. As Paul says, beautiful are the feet of those who go and proclaim this message. He so didn't that, say, beautiful are those who, who you know, wraps up the wind, right? Yeah, that's right. It's not beautiful are those who preach so well that they get a conversion right there on the spot or beautiful are those who, I don't know, whatever other evangelistic thing you want to come about. The point is to define for our people a success is that we have those beautiful feet, that we go forth into our communities as sent people and proclaim it. If we do that, then we're successful. We've done our calling. Uh, the conversion is of God, and we rejoice with the angels when it happens. But our responsibility is to go forth and proclaim. Right. So it's obedience. Obedience uh, to be a sent one, as God has called us to be. Remember, so yeah. this whole idea uh, started when God the Father sent His Son. And Jesus Himself said, As the Father sent me, I now send you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, too, take part in that. And uh, so, therefore, this whole idea of being sent is so crucial. It's the first step to helping people be saved. That's right. So, um, at the end, the the end result, the end goal, obviously, is for uh, a lost person to find Jesus. And our job as group leaders is to cast the vision for that and then liberate and empower our people to get it done, to be faithful to their story and faithful to the gospel. That's right. Um, so, you know, there, obviously there are lots of, this is a rich passage, all 15 verses is so deeply theological. Uh, you could probably spend eight weeks on this, on these eight, on these 15 verses. Uh, but you only get one, <laughs> unfortunately. 
So pick 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 wisely. Uh, we just highlighted a few things that we might want to might want to think about. Uh, you might want to sit on the importance of being sent and just look at that progression. Maybe write up on the board as I mentioned earlier. Uh, just an arrow starting with sent and kind of working backwards um, from there. And the importance of the, of the one that leads to the other part of that progression is so crucial. Uh, and again, even mention the point again to the, as Paul mentioned that. It's not our job to save anybody. Uh, our job is to be a faithful and to be obedient to the calling that He's placed on our lives to be uh, to be a sent one uh, with Christ. So, anyway, there's some good good points I think we can make this week. Paul, any last minute words or anything like that? No. Have a great group time and keep doing what you do. Good stuff, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You figure I would expect your question by now, but I never do at okay. the end. You never prepare for that. I'm not. All right, that's okay. Hey, we are grateful, as Paul so profoundly said, for you, mm-hmm. and uh, grateful for the work that you do and the lives of the people that God has given you. Thank you for your, for your work, and we will check in with you next week.